Welcome to Faith and Freedom. We hope to inform, inspire, and encourage you to stand up for faith and freedom as we discuss victories and challenges in the courts, in public policy, and in the culture. Faith and Freedom is brought to you by Liberty Council, a litigation, education, and policy organization. Join us now as we address the latest cultural issues across America and around the world. Having just returned from Israel and visited the Garden Tomb and the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, I want to reflect today on Good Friday and the upcoming Resurrection Day. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me on Faith and Freedom is Holly Mead. You know, Matt, this is a very reflective day when we think about our Lord who gave it all for us. I mean, he allowed his body to be beaten to the point where they could not even recognize him. And he willingly carried his own cross down the road to Calvary and died and hung by crucifixion, which is basically you suffocate to death, all for our sin. It's just, um, I don't think there's words humbling to realize he did that. And it's, but it's important that we're reminded of that, of his sacrifice for us. And you know, amazing when we think about the disciples, the followers of Jesus on that Good Friday, we call it Good Friday. It wasn't a very good day for them. In fact, it was the worst day in their lives because they had followed what they had hoped was the Messiah. They loved him. And, and he got humiliated. Uh, he was taken by the Romans, and uh, in many of their views, uh, they had a view of the Messiah as someone who was going to conquer the ruling party, the Romans, and, and set up he, a kingdom. Yeah. Even he warned them what was coming ahead, but they still were confused. They, they still, still didn't couldn't understand. understand it. And so, for example, you go back to Matthew chapter 16, and Jesus takes the disciples on a 32-mile hike one way, 64 miles or so round trip from the Galilee up to Caesarea Philippi for a single purpose to give them an in-person object lesson, takes them into the midst of the vortex of evil where paganism flourished, where the god Pan was receiving sacrifices, where they would throw the sacrifice into the water that was coming up from the earth below, and that was considered by the pagans the gate that would lead down to Hades, hell. That was the gates of hell. And that's where Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And when Peter acknowledged that he was the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus responded that flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but that was a divine revelation from the Father. You know, but it really then helped. he says he was going to go to uh, Jerusalem and be abused and suffer and die and rise again on the third day. And Peter said, no way, not on my watch. Yeah, and you know what really helped me when I was over in Israel several years ago, and you explained that. This is where he said, you know, about the gates of Hades, the gates of hell. When you see that, it really comes alive. The word of the Lord really comes alive at that time when you can see what he was talking about. Yeah, he takes them right into the darkness of satanic worship, mm -hmm. paganism, where the gates of hell, they thought, going down to actual hell, where the people down below were being kept into the netherworld in chains yeah. after they died, and they were in chains down there as prisoners. And so you would send sacrifices down to Pan, and Jesus takes them right there, and any rabbi would never go there because that would be 
defilement. Right. And he takes them right there and he says, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And they thought Pan was a god. That's why they were sacrificing the people. Yeah. So then he then tells them about he's, for the first time, he explains he's going to Jerusalem. And when he goes down there, the elders and the chief priest and the leaders, they're going to abuse him. They're going to beat him, they'll kill him, but he'll suffer and die, and he'll rise again on the third day. And Peter says, no way. Peter, who was just commended for having this divine revelation that he's the Messiah, now is rebuked as Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan, because Satan is the one who did not want him to go and die because that would ultimately be the dying for our sins, the ultimate sacrifice of atonement. And showing God's supernatural power over death. And if you think about it from the very beginning, from the very first time where Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did Satan want? Just bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all of this authority and glory of all the worlds. And Satan even read scripture. He knew the word of God. You don't need to go to the cross. Do you have it all? I'll have it to you because it's given to me, and I'll give it all to you. Right. It's amazing. You know, I I saw this uh, image when we went to watch um, Jesus at Sight and Sound, and uh, they had Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, because we we go there as well. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is agonizing because it's there before he ever is beaten. This is before anyone lays a hand on him. Before he's taken into custody, he goes there after the Last Supper, and he prays and he prays three times to the father saying lord or father if it's possible let this cup go from me pass from me take it from me yet not my will but yours be done and in the gospel of luke it says he was so overcome by grief that he began sweating great drops of blood and there's a physiological reason for that under extreme extreme stress your blood capillaries, your vessels, your arteries in your face can burst and break and seep out blood. And so blood comes literally from your face and it looks like sweat. And he knew what was about to happen. He knew it because he was starting to experience that heaviness Mm -hmm. of sin right there in the Garden of Gethsemane so bad that he cried out three times, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And he sweat great drops of blood. He was so overwhelmed physically that an angel in the Gospel of Luke came to help to minister him and give him some strength. I mean, imagine you have the entire weight of sin of the world on you. So going back to this scene in Jesus that Sight and Sound did, while Jesus is struggling with that in the Garden of Gethsemane, And he's saying, uh, Father, if it is possible, then this demonic voice, the way they portray it, comes out. Of course, this is not in the scripture, but you can just imagine this. Jesus says, Father, if it's possible, and this demonic voice comes out and says, if it's possible, all things are possible with God. So he's using scripture again. And then he's trying to convince them, you don't need to go through this. You don't need to do this. But Jesus says, not my will, but let your will be done. And from there he continues on and he's arrested as we remember. But that, that moment that we spend in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, when we're 
thinking about we were just at Caesarea Philippi a couple of days before, and Jesus then starts to put his face towards Jerusalem, and now he's in Jerusalem, and now we're just days away from the crucifixion. And he's going through this ag agony, and then he continues to go on, and then we go over to the place where he likely could have been imprisoned in the dungeon when he was taken into custody. And then we go over to where he was before Pontius Pilate in the Praetorium. And then you go to uh, where he was taken for the crucifixion. And, you know, when you look at crucifixion, crucifixion was, was considered a curse. I mean, even the book of Deuteronomy says the one who's hung on a tree is cursed. So for the Jews, somebody who's hung on a tree, you would think that person is cursed by God. So Jesus is hung on a tree. So in the natural mind of what they're thinking, he's being cursed. Moreover, not only is he being cursed, but it is the worst horrific form of punishment you can imagine. Yeah. Because you look at some of the stories and the writings of people who were crucified, and what you have there is whippings. And some of the whippings were so brutal that the intestines of people began to fall out. Right. And then they're nailed on a cross and they basically suffocate to They death. suffocate. And that's the reason why, you know, they, you imagine, or you can't even imagine, no. but you, you, you put this nail through your feet or ankles area and you, you, you put them and the only way you can breathe is to push up push up. So, but every time you're doing that, you're ripping skin and flesh and hurting your bones as you're doing that because you're trying to push up. So, eventually, you can't push up anymore and you can't take any breath, so you you gradually suffocate and bleed to death. And that's why they came and broke the legs of the others because they didn't want them to push up anymore and they wanted them to die before the sundown that Sabbath came. You also have Jesus where he gets uh, the spear in the side and blood and water comes out, and that's because of the inflammation around his heart where heart is beating rapidly to try to replace the loss of blood, and it has this uh, fluid of buildup around the heart, so blood and water comes out. It's not a symbolic representation. It's a physical manifestation of what he was going through. This is Jesus going through Good Friday, but the good news is... Sunday came, and that is Resurrection Day. So on this Good Friday, as we enter into the celebration of the Resurrection Day, may you have a blessed Good Friday and a glorious Resurrection morning. You've been listening to Faith and Freedom, brought to you by Liberty Council. Visit Liberty Council's website at lc.org.